Well, here we are back here again on AME BC's Remote Roundup. Uh, this is our wrap day. Yes, that's right. Day five has concluded. They like to say in show business, that's a wrap. And joining me one more time is Ms. Kylie Williams. Kylie, we did it. Finish off. We did it. Finish off the week. Uh, you know, we still had, there was still a lot of activity and a lot of great discussions today. Um, you know, each day was a little bit different than the other one right wasn't there yeah um today was uh in so many different ways was pretty humbling um because there was a couple well one discussion in particular which was um was a very difficult discussion to have but people did so uh energetically and humbly and um it was important one so i think we should start there uh, and that's where we had the diversity and inclusion panel uh, earlier this afternoon. And, um, you know, uh, it was a lot to swallow, but uh, it was very encouraging to see a lot of these people kind of come out of their shell and share some of their experiences, both good, but obviously some negative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kendra really brought together an amazing panel. It was four talented mid-career technical field savvy geoscientists and that's what they had in common Um, but they also happen to represent four grossly underrepresented groups in mineral exploration uh, namely women first nations people black people and uh, people who are lgbtq plus and the discussion between the panelists and the discussion on the chat while the panel was going on was honestly incredible everyone was really moved um, by the honest and vulnerable discussion, the examples of, of discrimination, um, subtle and not so subtle, um, the, the conversations about, um, you know, things that people have brushed off and ignored because, you know, they felt like they couldn't speak up and that they had to, they had to um, blend in. So I think one of the key messages that came out of it for me, something that I really heard was that um, it's really important to be an ally. So even if you're a, a, a white guy, which is the uh, overrepresented group in uh, mining and mineral exploration, um, a lot of guys were asking what they can do on the chat. And the thing that stood out was uh, stand up, declare that you're an ally, say it out loud, um, educate yourself about systemic um, bias and speak up if you hear someone near you being discriminated against or if anyone's saying anything inappropriate make sure you speak up yeah um i am just i was completely um i don't even know what the right word is i was glad to be a part of just as a participant in in listening i know there it took a lot of courage and probably some emotional to let all that stuff out but uh kudos to all those panelists for doing so and um you know, I promise that, you know, we can always do better. Uh, but we always, we like they say, be the change you want, right, as an individual. So that's absolutely. Yeah, so and uh, I predict that um, this is going to be a, a pivotal moment in mineral exploration in BC history. I think it's going to we're going to look back and say, remember that panel. Um, and so if you were there today, I think that's really important and really necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was very important. If you didn't if you did not watch it this afternoon and you still have access to uh, the on demand uh, panel, please go back and listen to it. It's, you know, out of all of the discussions we had this week, uh, that was to me the most meaningful. It really was. 
So, okay, well, so let's talk about some of the technical stuff too. There was a base metal session as well. Uh, A couple projects were mentioned specifically um, the nickel cobalt sulfide project in Sudbury uh, operated by Canada Nickel. Yeah, so um, that one they claim is the largest discovery since the early 1970s because we haven't had any really big discoveries since Boise's Bay. Um, And so they were, again, they were talking about the size of the deposit and how it's a sulfide, so it's much cleaner to extract. Um, But again, they were putting that um, ESG spin on it and the advantages of developing a low-carbon uh, homegrown nickel and cobalt deposit and doing it responsibly right here in Canada. Uh, there was a discussion about uh, Valet's project in Indonesia, and I think this might have been uh, the one project with the furthest distance from Vancouver <laughs> that has been discussed <laughs> all week, uh, but it was a very interesting topic. I didn't know much about it. Yeah, I didn't either. So they've had some astonishing results. That's a direct quote, astonishing, um, at Vale's Onto uh, Copper Gold Deposit in Indonesia. Uh, So I'll just read out some of the numbers. There's a 1.7 billion tonne deposit, 0.89 copper, and 0.49 grams per tonne gold. Um, And it's still open in every direction. Um, So, yeah, it's just an incredible, a real boots on the ground, classic discovery as well. Lots of hard work on the technical front and just, uh, you know, going through the motions and making it happen. Um, my concerns are the social and environmental ones, um, but, you know, Vale is a big company and I'm, I'm sure they're on that. So I know there's some difficulties in, in developing things in Indonesia. Yeah, uh, the Indonesian mining is a topic that has been coming up in conversation for quite some time <laughs> over the last few decades. Um, yeah. uh, there was also a, uh, a panel or a session called the uh, uh, the additions to the geoscience toolbox. Uh, this is for explorers. What were some of the things that were shared here? Yeah, this was a really great session. Um, uh, it started out talking about um, mineral mapping mineral potential uh, using machine learning. Um, an example from that in the Yukon, where um, using data to uh, model different land use options um, using machine learning and and freely available data for the Yukon. Um, And then there were several talks on using those small, fast, uh, field portable um, tools to sample soil gases. So essentially what they're doing is uh, sniffing out mineral deposits and sniffing out structures that may host mineral deposits um, by testing for certain elements in soil gas. So some really clever stuff. Hmm. It sounds like a candy store for geologists. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a great day to end on. Like, Kylie, we, this is uh, this does wrap wrap up our uh, work together here uh, on this daily on these daily evening wrap ups here on the podcast. Uh, looking back on the week and giving the amount of changes that the organization had to make to make this safe uh, and mm-hmm. uh, remote. I mean, what were some of your key takeaways as we progress through the week? Well, I think the first one is that um, virtual conferences work. Uh, I know everyone went into this. It's kind of the first big virtual conference that that many of us have been to. Um, And I saw people connecting uh, online. Uh, I saw, I mean, you can still do networking. Um, You can still visit booths. 
uh, all those kind of things. People and also it leveled the playing field. So if you were um, parents of young kids or if you live in a remote community, um, if for any reason you can't get physically to the conference, you could get there virtually. So I I thought that was my first takeaway. Um, the second one is that we can't keep going business as usual. Um, when it comes to ESG, we need to up our game. Um, and we also need to keep building those uh, ore deposit models. We need to support the students. We need to support the surveys. We need to su support the boots on the ground, geologists, geophysicists um, and geochemists um, to really build that knowledge that's useful to all of us. So on the technical side, you know, keep learning and, and keep supporting that research. Uh, and on the ESV side, we've got to keep sharing and keep upping our game. And finally, buy those climate critical commodities. I'm, uh, I'm bullish. <laughs> uh, this is an investment advice, but this is mining stock daily. So, uh, Kylie, you, you seem pretty confident that uh, maybe that's the direction <laughs> yeah, you're going. If Elon Musk has mentioned it, you should probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how many times the mining industry has mentioned Tesla and Elon Musk in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Very, very fast. <laughs> so. um, Kylie, on a personal note, it's been just a lot of fun connecting with you every night and kind of rehashing each day the events taking place at Remote Roundup. Um, you know, before we do let you go, uh, I will encourage everybody to please follow Kylie Williams uh, somewhere where they get their information, like Twitter, pretty active <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but Kylie, please share with people how they can reach out to you and maybe connect. Absolutely, I will. It's been a really fun week. Thank you for uh, leading me through my first podcast experience. <laughs> You're natural. <laughs> it was lots of fun. <laughs> so how do people reach out to you? What can they do? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's uh, on Twitter. I'm at resources writer. Um, so there's an S in the middle, resources writer, um, and Kylie Williams on LinkedIn. All right. Kylie, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Have a, have a <laughs> great weekend, great evening. Pleasure working with you. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can connect again soon. Absolutely. And we are back here with our featured company that we are going to highlight this evening in our last remote roundup wrap up. Have to be welcomed by K2 Gold CEO Steve Swatton. K2 Gold trades on the TSX with KTO and also on the OTCQB with KTGDF. Steve, it's a pleasure to have you back here on the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be on the graveyard sh shift here. <laughs> the best for last, my friend. The best for last. Uh, you are, you know, you have been operating in California. The the Mojave project has had some really nice exploration drill results out in the last couple, I guess, weeks. It's been fairly recent. Yeah. Uh, but you're currently in Vancouver. Uh, so tell how's how's the uh, flying in between over the border going? You know, I was waiting until Biden took office to see if I can actually even go. I, I probably can, and I and I probably will be going down. But we do have a field office down there and we have a field geologist who takes care, care of, you know, business whilst I'm away. But honestly, Trevor, there's not a lot going on right now because we've applied for another drill permit, another 30 sites. 
And so it's in that process of ping pong between us, the BLM and the state office. So there's not really a huge amount that I can physically do other than um, talking about the ESG stuff is that I go down and I speak to the business owners, speak to the tribes, speak to the environmentalists. And that's what I'll do when I go down next time, just to try and reassure them of our intentions and to make sure everybody's clear what it is what we're going to try and achieve with the next drilling. Uh, operating in California, I I don't know if it's safe to assume that ESG means that much more just knowing the state and the politics behind it. Uh, but can you kind of comment on um, how that relationship continues to progress and improve? Um, and not that it was, you know, sour by any means, but uh, how, how are those conversations going uh, on the ESG front with Mojave? You know, incredibly well for us. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the people that you're dealing with at BLM are, they are career-minded individuals who basically have a bunch of rules that they have to follow. Providing you follow them, the relationship is good. And I would say that we went in, into there and with intrepidation dealing with the BLM. And I think the BLM were looking at us saying, I hope these guys play ball and, and play by the rules. And we've done absolutely everything by the book They've been up to site three or four times, at least three times, maybe four times. And I think we've kind of, um, yeah, we, we've earned our stripes in terms of, of being environmentally aware and good stewards of the ground. Also, I've interacted personally with the tribes and I recognize, fully recognize this is their homeland from many years ago that was taken away. And we've invited two tribes to watch what we were doing up there with the drilling and it was not a necessity but i thought it was necessary for us to show open open book and to show what we're doing on the ground to absolutely anybody who wants to come and see we have nothing to hide we're not ashamed of the business we're in and we're very proud of the fact that we we brought a uh, rig down from canada that left a very small environmental footprint much smaller than in fact the PO, which is the which is the operating permit that we have, um, it stated much larger areas for destruction, and we actually we went in and we did a very small program. I think the 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 size of it that, that my PR guys were saying is the end of a football field. Well, I think in football is soccer, not that, but I, you know what I'm talking about. The end of a American football field is the amount of disturbance that we had at surface. So I think we did. A reasonable job but not not everybody is going to agree with mining being done anywhere i mean we, we we live in an environment now trevor where it doesn't matter where you are in the world there's there's always going to be an issue of one sort or another i mean i would argue canada is becoming one of the better places again as a result of um it's very clear in certain remote environments, what you can and can't do. If you're going into some of the more remote ones, and I'm thinking now California, my home is in the Philippines. If you go into the Philippines, the rules are so unclear. In California, they're very clear, providing you stick to them, you can do it. It just takes time, that's all. Uh, Mojave is located almost center, dead center of the Inyo, of Inyo County, which happens to be mm. the second largest county in California. Mm. Uh, but where you're located within the county is really actually, I think this is really fascinating. You are sandwiched between Death Valley on the, your, on the east side of you and Inyo National Forest uh, on the west side of you. 
And uh, so you you have a lot of different terrain here. I mean, I you know it's got to be just kind of spectacular to get a whole lot of different uh, geography in that in in that one county alone, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, you've got the Sierras on the on the west side, and you know these are mountainous peaks, and the you know the fauna there is bears and cougars and everything else. And then you have this dry valley, the Owens Valley, uh, which was a lake, and it was unfortunately has been drained by LA um, town have taken all of the water. So it's a dry lake. And then we're on the Eastern side and it becomes sort of scrubby desert. And then you go full into the Death Valley National Park. So within the space of 50 miles, you've got absolutely every different type of terrain. And where we're located, we're kind of tucked away. Um, It's off one of the major highways, but um, you can't really see where we're working. You wouldn't be able to see you know, our drilling, for example, and it's it was actually taken out of the Death Valley National Park because it's got mineral potential. And the reason why we're being permitted to do what we, we, we are doing is because when L.A. basically took the water, that took the agricultural potential and the mines were shut down. Many of the mines there were shut down at the in the 70s and 80s. And one of the major mines to the north, Tungsten Mine, was the major tungsten producer for the Second World War war effort. So we're about the only area that is being permitted. So 92% of Inyo County is taken up with one type of national park or another or some protected ground. There's very little left. So you're right, second largest county with a very small tax base with a huge amount of area to cover. So I would say that we we are getting somewhat um, encouraged to do what we, we we'd like to do in Lone Pine by certain sector of the population because we'll die and we'll be able to offer a, a more diverse uh, work environment. Like at the moment, it's almost a hundred percent based on tourism, and it's passing through on the way to somewhere else. Often, you're either on the way to Sierras or the Mammoth Lakes Ski Resort, but we're really tucked away. You, you wouldn't really Honestly, Trevor, nobody ever went there very much before. And and I have one instance where I went to site and I put a across the road, I put a, um, you know, a, 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 with a stick to see how many cars would go up the road. Not one went in three months to the site wow. we're in. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, well, the reason I asked is because, you know, one of the big uh, mining and exploration trends is the Walker Lane trend. That's predominantly better known for Nevada. Mm. I mean, but th- these geological trends don't know state boundaries, right? And I've at, I know I've asked you this on the podcast before, um, but can you talk about uh, geological similarities that say companies like Corvus and Core, uh, you know, what, the, what they've been seeing in the Nevada side of yeah. the trend compared to what you have seen in the in these early drill results from Mojave in California? Sure, that's a very good question, actually, because we, we're just getting some results in now. And so we're having a much better understanding of what's going on on our ground. Because before we were sort of juggling between this Carlin style, epithermal style and Walker Lane, obviously up in Nevada, that's much more the Walker Lane, but it's got volcanic, it's got igneous, and it's got intrusive rocks up there, but we don't really see too much of that where we are. So we're a little bit confused because some of the geochemistry seems to suggest there was some Carlin type involvement, but it's for sure it's much more of a Walker Lane epithermal style. But we've got two styles of mineralization on the property. We've got in this ridge area called Dragonfly, it very much is that sensor stricto type of 
quartz veining, uh, and we're getting up to 20 grams material at surface, right, right there. And then as the um, faults transect into the limestones and silty limestones, it becomes a lot more subtle and it becomes more similar, I would say, to what you see at um, Corvus's and and the and Beatty district in general, but we just don't see the intrusives, but we know they're really close. Uh, about five or six kilometers to the west, we've now seen some intrusive. First time we've seen any intrusive rock. So what we think is happening is we've got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, 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 a apotheosis, if you like, of uh, probably about four to 500 meters down, there is an intrusive. And what we're seeing is, is that when it hits the limestones, it becomes a huge, very subtle and tends to go on a lithological contact. Whereas up north, where it's uh, within these quartz veins, it's in a different type of rock. It's a much more uh, compact. It's a much more, um, I would say, um, it's a rock that sticks together easier. So the quartz veins stick up out of this uh, extremely... Um, uniform limestone unit, but where the limestones become, you know, a bit grittier and dirtier, that's where you're seeing it just sort of morphing into a, a general zone of just lower grade, which is the typical one gram, half, half a gram material. But to the north, we're getting this high grade 20 gram material. Hmm. Uh, it's it's really fascinating. I, I wish people could just kind of see how animated you were as you were describing <laughs> that because your hands were just really <laughs> flying all over well, the place as you were walking had the through the discussion that. today with Jody, the BPX, as to we're now getting a real handle on it. So it is becoming more Walker Lane than we thought before. Whereas before, it was a little bit un unknown because you got to bear in mind there, Trevor, to the west of, of um, the area where we're exploring right now, there are signs that there may be a porphyry copper sitting in there. So we've got a, 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 a maybe a whole district sort of chopped up on its side, and we're looking at the epithermal top of top top of this whole system. But you know, it's, we're still early days, and we're, and we're still sort of trying to get our head around the geochemistry. But it's it is looking more like um, Walker Lane type material. Well, and, and the reason I asked is because you, you did have really good success with your phase one drilling program. Yeah. Uh, late November, you came out with your first results. Great interval of 86.9 meters at grade four grams per ton gold. Uh, so you did have success there. Uh, that That's obviously going to lend a hand into your phase two drilling, which you also raised $7 million for. Uh, and given this uh, this story that you just laid out on the table here, are you now able to go in and maybe test that hypothesis of which you just described with phase two? Absolutely. There is already an old road there that BHP put in in the late 90s. And what we've asked to do with the BLM and what we've applied to do is to open up that road. And really, it is just a dirt road that's been plowed. And then there's a few rocks being put up on the end that'd be very easy to get in there. And if we can drill along there, I think we'll be going towards an inferred resource category with some of the drilling that we're going to do if we can get that the you know the permission to go and drill that but yeah absolutely we'll be able to understand it a bit better but you know each day it goes by we're realizing this is a much larger system than we thought i mean we can already see three kilometers of mineralization and the northern end is obviously the higher grade stuff that i was explaining animatedly and then the southern end is more of your regular points 0.6 to one gram material 
but it's a huge system and uh, look, the more we can drill, of course, the more we'll understand. Uh, Steve, it's a real pleasure to uh, wrap our week with you. It's a pleasure to always speak with you, uh, no matter what circumstances, whether we're here virtually or having a nice beer in the Yukon where you and I first kicked it off. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I appreciate your time. Good luck this year uh, with the continued exploration program at Mojave. And uh, best of luck to you and your Thank team. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being on your show. Uh, that's Steve Swatton. He's the president and CEO of K2 Gold. Again, they trade on the TSX Venture with KTO. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.